Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. In the English language, we could decide, well, we'll enlarge upon that and not enlarge upon this. And you could look at it from different angles, and each angle would be right and true. It just looks at it from a different uh, perspective and perhaps uh, uh, a deep, just a deeper look. Uh, you know, even in our dictionary, you know, you look under the word cool, you'll have a temperature, you'll have, uh, what's the word, another word for cool? You'll have in, you know, like, you know, the cool thing. Uh, cool can mean all different types of things. And uh, you have to uh, look at the context of the statement to know what's meant by what is said. So all that happens in the translation. So today we're going to be a little free uh, moving back and forth. We're going to begin in the King James Version in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with the first verse. Now, I learned the Bible in the King James Version. And uh, even today, as I study the NIV and other translations, often the Holy Spirit brings things to my remembrance based on that uh, first love, the word I learned at first some 25 plus years ago. Now, faith is the substance. Hypostasis is the term translated substance. It literally means to stand under. That term hypo or hypostasis, it depends who's spelling the term. One way to memorize what hypo or hypo means is remembering the hippopotamus. The hippopotamus is the most dangerous and fierce animal in the rivers of Africa. I know you would think that it would be the crocodile or perhaps some snakes that might climb aboard, but the most dangerous animal and the, the, the most people that are killed on the rivers, it is done by the hippo. Why? Because, you know, originally the, the hippo was called the sea cow. Because what the hippo would do, it, it goes to the bottom, uh, or does, it goes to the bottom of the lake or the river, and it eats the vegetation. And then when it runs out of breath, or maybe it has enough food, I really don't know what's going through the, the animal's head, but when it gets tired of being down there, it uh, reemerges. And if you happen to be in one of those rickety boats, when that several ton animal comes up out of the water. Now, hippos, you know, if, if your boat is too close to him when he comes up, he will attack. And a hippo will bite a boat in half. But the point I'm making is he's called the hippo uh, because he eats under. So uh, hypostasis or hypostasis, uh, it literally means to stand under. Now, in the original Greek, we find that th this term is used for physically standing under, but also legally standing under. And in the King James Version, uh, the, the writer here, or, or the translators, they look at this uh, a definition of faith from a forensic standpoint. They look at it legally. Verse 1, now faith is the foundation, the hypostasis, that gives us the legal right to obtain things hoped for. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, let's lay a foundation before we get into the heat of the study today. And the Bible says that faith is the substance of things what? Hope for. But many of us are very concerned about getting our hopes up. Sometimes we want to protect our children and we say, you know, don't get your hopes up, we'll see. But you see, with God, you can never wrongly invest your hope. In Romans chapter 5, the Bible says, And hope does not 
disappoint us. The King James Version says, hope will not make us ashamed. If your hopes are based on scripture, you can absolutely never be disappointed. The only reason that I have spent years and sometimes, you know, more than several years disappointed is because I built my own hope. It was built on maybe my training or what I learned at school, my expectations from my parents. Maybe it was my culture. But I had certain expectations that when they were dads, I said, God, how did you let this happen? The point was my hope never came from him. He's not responsible for that. If I build my hopes based on what you say versus what he says, I can't go to him upset when I'm disappointed because of you. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? He says, and the hope or, or the hope of God does not disappoint us. Why? Because God loves us. No parent that loved their child would intentionally say, we're going to have dinner at five. Nope, psych, it's going to be at seven. <laughs> no, here's your allowance. Nope, psych, you know, no, no, nothing. Here's your lunch. No, psych, you know, uh, no. A loving parent wouldn't do that. But we're afraid God's that way. Why should we never be concerned that God's hope will disappoint us? Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Hope inspired by the Holy Spirit will never, ever let you down. God's hope is the only safe hope in the universe. Believing God's word is the safest place you will ever be. Hebrews 11 and 1 again in the King James Version. Lots of scriptures. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence. Now, I said that the King James's approach is forensic. You get a picture of a courtroom because you see it again in this, this next word. He says, it's the evidence. Where do you see evidence in a courtroom? He says, faith is evidence of things not seen. He's saying that faith can be used in a divine courtroom, if you will, to retake and reclaim everything that has been stolen from you. But you have to bring evidence into the courtroom in order for your case to be heard and won. God's grace has spoken at Calvary. God's grace has spoken by the life of Jesus Christ. Why were we yet a sinner? He died for us. He loved us. He, he died for us in spite of us. We didn't earn it. I hadn't even lived or done good or bad, but he died for me. Grace spoke at Calvary. But what God is waiting for in our life is faith's response. Until faith responds to grace, it profits you nothing. The Bible declares that Jesus has already saved the entire world. The price he paid is enough to save all six, seven billion people on the planet, and if 17 more billion people are born, his death and resurrection was enough to pay the price. His grace was sufficient. God has clearly spoken again in his life and on the cross. The question is, do you believe and receive that which God has provided? God's grace has been spoken. Faith is our response. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the 2011 NIV puts it this way. Now, faith is confidence. Is that what it says? If you don't have confidence, you don't have faith yet. Faith is what? Confidence. Being sure of. Being convinced of. Being fully persuaded, as Paul said. He said, I'm fully persuaded. Neither height nor depth, principal, nothing in all creation can separate me from the love of God. The issue is Paul's persuaded, but are you? He says here that genuine faith produces a confidence of our expected end or what we hope for. 
And then he says, if you didn't get it there, let me say it in another way. An assurance about what we do not see. Now, let's focus on these two terms because they're the major terms in this verse. He says confidence and what? Assurance. Genuine faith is better than a volume. Many of us, we need a pill to go down at night and a pill to get up in the morning. The best anti-stress remedy is faith in God. Genuine faith produces confidence. Sometimes I'm worried. Sometimes I'm upset. I don't get condemned. I just, I don't lie to myself. I don't really believe yet. And I stay in the word until I have confidence. And then when the confidence comes, I know faith is being released. And in the spirit realm, and by the way, the, 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 Jesus came to establish a kingdom. Kingdoms are founded on laws. And the, the, the King James Version is correct here. When you believe God, you have a legal claim to that thing you're believing God for. And heaven's court will stand behind you saying that child has a right to get back that which was taken and stolen because they have believed God's word. Faith is the only evidence we need. You don't have to argue a great intellectual case. You don't have to explain it. You don't really need 17 other human witnesses. When you have faith in God's word, that's enough evidence as far as God's court of law is concerned. A lot of folks want to be under the law. Well, why don't you get under the law of faith? And begin to, listen, when craziness tries to come into my house, I go to court. I will sue you in a minute. I take God's word, I mix it with faith, and immediately I have a, a case before his court. But without confidence, it's impossible to please God. Without confidence, you never have a, a case before God. And sometimes the justice system takes some time to work. But let me tell you something. Once I presented the evidence, his gavel went down. And it may take a little time for the police to get to the, to the house of the demon they need to arrest. There may be some things that need to take place in the space of time. But I know that he heard me. And if I know he heard me, I have that which I've asked in prayer. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and being assured about things we can't see yet. I may not see justice, but I see a, ju a just judge. I see Jesus, my advocate. Are you hearing me? My court appointed attorney. And when I take a look at the courtroom and I know that I'm standing on the word of God, if God be for me, who can be against? Who will lay a charge against God's elect? In that courtroom, I'm not worried about me being convicted. I'm there to deal with the devil. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the confidence or is confidence in what we hope for. An assurance about what we don't see. Followers of Jesus should be marked by special assurance, special confidence, and conviction. If you are truly a child of God, there should be just something about you that marks you. He's different. When other people fall apart, you just know something. And he said, this, see, I get so upset with church. Please attend church. Because you couldn't hear this message if you weren't here. But 
It wasn't just going to church that made God happy. He said, the faith that brings confidence, this is what the ancients were commended for. What were they commended for? Gut level assurance. The Bible says they were commended, which more literally means he stood up on his phone and cheered. And the question before us today, when God looks at your life, does he stand and cheer or does he stand and jeer? Is there confidence? Is there assurance? Do you know? And until there's that confidence and assurance, there really won't be great pleasure that we bring God. I can have a child serving a life sentence. I love that child. His life sentence and the fact perhaps that he or she committed murder will not stop me from loving them. But I tell you something, the fact that he's behind bars will limit my pleasure in him. You are God's child no matter what you do. But without a confidence, without assurance, you bring him no pleasure. You're running around scared and, and timid of, of your own shit. God said, no, that, 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 that's not my spirit. That's not my nature. That brings me no joy. But I want to make God happy. And what makes God happy is you and I knowing that we know. Being assured and again, confidence. By faith, having what? Deep confidence and conviction. We understand. They may not get it. Y'all ought to get it. We understand something that's critical. The universe was formed at God's command. The universe was formed by God's word. Faith 101 is understanding that God's word is the parent force of the universe. That everything in this universe came out of God's personal confidence. And if you want to be like God, you need to walk in some confidence. When God spoke, it wasn't an experiment. We said, let me say something and see what happens. He spoke with confidence. And then it, when we, we we're going to go to Genesis in a moment. After he spoke, he investigated the results. And he looked at the results to line them up against his intent. And here's the deal. God had an intent for my life. And he measures me against what he intended and what is. And my prayer is that it becomes a perfect match. We understand that the universe was created at God's command or by God's word. Meaning when God created me, he was certain about me. He didn't say, let me try, you know. He was absolutely sure what he wanted in me. He had a purpose for me before he made me. And I'm not really talking about me, I'm talking about you as well. By faith, we understand something. The universe was formed through God's word so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Everything visible came from the invisible word of God. And when you get on God's word about your matter, you have just appealed to the highest authority in the universe. So what's the matter, by the way? You've appealed to God about your matter. So, so what's the matter? Most of the times you don't believe the word. If. You believe what God said about the matter, nothing would be the matter. That's why I said, don't worry about all that stuff. The pagans do that. They ain't got no God. But your father knows what you need before you ask. Are you here? Let's go deeper. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Everything we need to know about faith and God's word is revealed in the first few verses of the Bible. God didn't want us to miss it. Verse 1, I love the way... The Holy Spirit puts this. 
He says, in the beginning, God. No explanation about where he came from. See, when you have confidence, you don't need to explain. All he does is give a statement of fact. Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 says this. God has set eternity in every human heart. No one, absolutely no one is born an atheist. We have to learn and be trained to be an atheist. Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now watch carefully the order of events here. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. How many of you here have some, some dark, empty areas of your lives? Well, let's watch how God handled his. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Darkness, emptiness, waters. God said, I don't like this. And he released his Spirit. If you were standing there, you would have felt the manifest presence of the Almighty God. You would have had not only goosebumps, all your hair would just stick out of your head. I mean, you, you, I mean everything, you would just shake. The power and the presence of God was, was just reverberating over the water. And the imagery here is like a, a, a bird or airplane fluttering over water. It's a vibration. And the whole universe is vibrating from the, the presence of God. But, but notice, the spirit was present, but nothing happened until verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And light says, sure enough, I am. Please notice, things did not change because the Holy Spirit was felt. This was wrong with our churches. We go there for feeling. Thank God for feelings. God gives us great feelings. But if you stop at the feeling, you'll miss the best. And that's the problem. We settle for good and we miss the best. Listen, my wife and I married. I love my wife. I love being in her presence. I love her, her, her company. And, uh, you know, in fact, I probably choose her company over a lot of the stuff we, well, all the, all the stuff, all the stuff we have. <laughs> but our relationship with God would be like me loving my wife, saying, I just want to be in your presence. Honey, I just want to feel you. And all we do is feel on each other all day. We don't cook any food. We don't have any babies. We don't pay our mortgage. We just feel. And many of us are trained that that's church. Go for the feeling. And when you get home, you don't remember nothing. You don't know how to live, but you've done, you feel good. The only problem with that is that's what drug dealers do. And you got to be careful about going to doctor feel good. Well, all he or she does make you feel good, but you don't learn nothing. All, you know, it's just a feeling, but nothing concrete. Still with me? God's word is ultimately the thing that brings change. Oh, I need his presence. I need his fellowship. But change will not come until the word is released. And in our case, received. Four, verse four. Then God saw when the spirit and the word got together. Then there were visible results. Then God saw. And I tell you, God wants this, this, this city to be set on a hill. He wants people to see our good work. Not just feel, but see results in our lives. 
And when they see the results, they'll come. But if it's just a feeling, they can get that with a, with a, with a fifth of liquor. And the, and the liquor bottle don't ask for a tithe. God saw that the light was good. And at this point, God was not just felt, but seen. Oh, I want the manifest presence. Most said, I won't go unless your presence goes away. I want that. But I also need, we also need maybe even more than that. We need God's word. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 in the 84 version NIV. The writer is saying, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. It's like saying, you know, he's the heat of the sun. He's the light that makes the light beam work. And the exact representation of his being. My Jesus is not a knockoff. He is the original thing. Are you hearing it? And this Jesus is sustaining. He wasn't just some man that walked along some shores and told some, some interesting and fanciful stories. He's sustaining all things, meaning he's supporting and upholding all things by his powerful word. Everything in the universe is held together by God's word. Everything. And since everything was created by his word, guess what? Everything remains responsive to his word. So if you don't like what's going on in your life, if you want to change it, where might you need to go? Because the word made that thing that is your problem. And tonight we're going to talk about how to move your mountain. But certain mountains in your way. God said, listen, I'm going to teach you how to deal with it. Speak to the mountain. Tell it to be removed. And we have to learn to stop just talking to God about our mountains, but talk to our mountains about God. He says he upholds all things by his powerful. Where's the power of God? In his word. If you want the power, get into the word. Plug into the word. Psalms 105, verse 8, 84 NIV. Let's keep looking. Speaking of God, he says, he remembers. God is not unfaithful to forget the labor of love. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.